All right, guys, welcome to the Sailing Doodles podcast, doing this one on my own. So that's a first. Uh, basically, what I've done is I've asked a bunch of questions to our patrons, uh, and I made a post on there. I said, just ask me anything and uh, about boating, about the show, about uh, anything, basically. And so uh, I haven't really read through a lot of the questions. Uh, let's. I'm going to do that now and answer the questions there. So if you're just a viewer and a listener, thank you so much for tuning in. If you'd like to actually ask a question, you become a Patreon at patreon.com slash sailingdoodles, and then I'm going to do one of these a month where it's an ask me anything and uh, I will answer your questions the best I can. So uh, I don't remember which camera I was looking at, but sorry about that if I messed that one up. Um, all right. So I will start off with a question from Todd. Todd asks, will you do any flotillas in the future? Uh, yes. Uh, planning on doing one. Well, we were supposed to do one. Oh, by the way, hang on a second. Cheers to uh, you guys there. Uh, you know, um, I don't I don't know why they do it down here in Puerto Rico, but they have these like the beers are ten ounce beers, right? And so they don't really fit in any koozies. It's kind of annoying. So your koozies don't work very well. I guess they do ten ounce beers because I don't know. I mean, maybe they don't get hot if you're because it takes less time to drink them. I don't know, but whatever. It's the only place. Well, I mean. Yeah, it's the only place I know of that does it consistently is down here. All the other Caribbean islands, when you come down here, um, you know, they don't, uh, I don't know, they don't uh, uh, do that. But anyway, oh well. So, all right, so back to the questions there. Todd asks, do you plan to do any flotillas in the future? Um, yes. Um, done a couple in the past so far. Did one in St. Vincent and one in Thailand. Um, was supposed to have one last year in the BBI, and then COVID came and screwed everything up. Uh, and then we moved it to this April, um, hoping, I mean, we moved it, you know, last February, no, last March or April, um, when we knew we weren't going to be able to do the COVID thing, um, because of the BBI or just because of COVID in general, um, we changed it. We just moved it a year. We figured by a year, maybe this thing would be done, but I mean, apparently not. So, uh, basically, uh, we're going to move it again to the fall, um, you know, once we have a better idea of what's going on, we might uh, see if there's any boats opening up. Um, I, 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 the, the charter company I went through with that, I'm really not happy with them. Uh, you know, I, I, because I, I've, we've chartered six boats with them now, um, plus the flotilla before where we chartered two, um, and they just weren't very responsive. I'm like, I'm, I'm bringing you six boats worth of business. It's like thirty-five, forty thousand dollars worth of business, and they just aren't very responsive. Not, not very. I'm like, you know, I was like, can we do something work on the future? Can we, you know, do something that where it's a little beneficial for everybody? And they're just not interested. I would figure, right now when they're hurting so bad, they would really want to do that. I'm not going to mention the name of the charter company. I mean, I'm sure if you watch the flotilla coming up, uh, whenever we get to it this year, you can figure it out. But. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm still working, trying to find a better charter company. I mean, there are regional charter companies that I love to work with, like um, uh, uh, um, Island Spirit in Thailand. Um, they uh, have a couple different charter bases there. They're awesome. I mean, if I called them up and said right now, hey, I've got six boats, let's go. And they'd be like, absolutely, let's do it. Um, they'd love to do it. Um, but I mean, no, they're just in Thailand right now. And so, um, you know, I'd like to get a deal with one of the bigger uh, charter companies world, you know, that are worldwide. Um, there's charter brokerages that will I've worked with in the past. Um, I don't really like working with them that much because they're kind of like a middleman. So like, if we want to make a change, so they have the charter company, 
and then the charter brokerage can get a good deal and we can do all that. But then if I want to make a change or something because of COVID or whatever, then I got to go through the middleman. Then so I email or call them, then they email or call the charter company, and it just it's just it's just a hassle. So um, I'd rather work directly with a charter company. So there will be flotillas in the future. Uh, after we get this first one done, uh, which hopefully in the fall, then we'll do another one the next year. We'll maybe do one or two a year. So we'll definitely do that. But all right, the next question is from Swede Pilot. Can you do a walkthrough of your purchasing timeline and how you did it uh, of this boat, I'm assuming? Um, anything uh, was different than buying a sailboat versus a motor yacht? Some pitfalls to avoid uh, next time. Um, gosh, uh, I think I started maybe emailing um, the uh, broker as early as December, just kind of getting a feel for, for what uh, the uh, seller was doing, and I made a, a very low offer. Um, you know, because it was all I could afford, uh, and uh, and uh, you know, the the guy came back and said no, uh, you know, no, um, and then a few weeks later, I the guy the broker actually emailed me and said, well, he did have it under contract, you know, before, uh, you know, it was in this neighborhood of price, uh, you know, you could probably get it for that, so I offered a little bit more than that, and, or a little bit less than that, and the seller took it. Um, and so the reason I was able to do that is because of um, all you guys helping out so much because uh, I, I had a little bit of money saved up and then plus the selling of my boat uh, but it wasn't enough to buy this boat but then with the uh, with the uh, uh, the pay-per-view video of the Naughty Dogs uh, issue so you haven't seen that you can go to sailingdoodles.com there's a link where you can watch it you can pay as much as you want a dollar five dollars ten bucks I mean to all you guys that in significantly more than that i really appreciate it um and uh basically kind of helped do all this so the timeline of it i was emailed the guy in december i think i got it under contract um cup second week maybe first week of january uh came down and did a sea trial on it um and then uh and then uh uh so basically i didn't want to waste airline fare and the time to come down here if we couldn't agree on a price in principle so I hadn't even seen the boat in person. Um, I, you know, all the pictures and everything and all the maintenance records, I was able to see a lot of that um, from the listing on the website. And then, so I just made an offer and my offer was contingent on uh, the representation in the, in the pictures and the, and the, and the, uh, the, the description, right? So if I get down here and it's in a disarray, well then I, if it's not like it was in the pictures, then I could change my mind and then get my money back. So what you do there is you put a 10% down payment um, when you get the boat under contract so then i came down did the sea trial um there was just minor stuff um and the the, the seller was um very accommodating on fixing some of the things i mean like uh um the uh, vhf antenna had a broken wire um uh the outdoor uh ice maker was not working and he replaced that um just small stuff like that um and so i was very happy with the way you know um he handled things and uh the sea trial came back good there was only a couple issues we had to get some um like the uh, the engine uh um they want they needed to do an engine oil sample because they just rebuilt the port side engine and then so 
you know, there wasn't enough time on the engine um, since they rebuilt it to get a proper analysis of the oil. So on a motor yacht, you definitely want to get an oil, oil analysis. Um, and the reason is, is that, uh, uh, you know, they'll check for you know, water and, and uh, all the different uh, irons and stuff like that um, in the oil. And then that can tell you the general health of the engine, you know, if it's got a lot of, I don't know. I'm not an engineer. I can tell you, but if on the form where you get you do that, it'll say, okay, you've got high levels of this substance. This could mean this. Um, so uh, they put ten hours on the engine um, and redid it, and then there you go. So um, and then uh, so I can't remember what date I actually closed on it. It was towards the end of uh, July, and um, I came down a day before just to make sure it was all good. Um, and then uh, the next day it was. So then uh, we actually had to do one little more test on it because. Um, the uh, the they had rebuilt the portside engine, but the governor was not tuned properly. So the governor to uh, it wasn't making proper RPM. So they had to have somebody um, work on the governor, and that's uh, apparently a pretty uh, I don't know technical thing to do. And so the mechanic that their normal mechanic didn't really know how to do it. So we, we had to find somebody else to take care of it. Anyway, they got it done, and so got the boat. As far as pitfalls, um, I didn't really have a problem with it. I think it w worked pretty well. Uh, you definitely want to get a a, 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 not a, sur a survey, which is basically a home like a home inspection. You get an inspection. A survey is a boat inspection, and so you definitely want to do one of those. Uh, preferably, somebody knowledgeable knows what they're doing, has experience with those yachts. Um, and you know, uh, generally, if uh, it's word of mouth, in my opinion, on how to find those guys. Now, you, I mean, the brokers know all these guys too, but do you necessarily want to take the broker's advice? You know, whatever. So, um, my friend uh, Greta and Zach, who I just did another podcast with, it came out last week about boat finance. They spend a lot of time down in Puerto Rico, and so I said, hey, do you know any surveyors that are good? And they said yes, and he gave me the name of a guy, got him out here and did the survey, and I was pretty happy with the results, and uh, yeah, worked out well. All right, so Jonathan asks, having gone sailboat to powerboat and back, would love to hear your feelings about the uh, mind shift, uh, gestalt mind shift. Um, yeah, you know, I honestly haven't been on the boat long enough to know. I mean, it. Uh, uh, I don't. I don't really know what the. I mean. Like just initially, okay, this is this feels like a house that is a boat, whereas a sailboat is a boat that is also a house. You know what I mean? So this is kind of a house first and then a boat. And then a sailboat is generally a boat first. And then a um and then a and then a house. I mean, there's pluses and minuses to either one. Um, I uh, so far it's a lot more comfortable. I will definitely say that um, much more comfortable, much more space. So my old CT fifty six was fifty six plus the bowsprit. It was sixty two, and then if you really wanted to count it, you want to count the dinghy davits off the back. It was like sixty seven or sixty eight, um, depending which marina you're in, right? Uh, whereas this is a Hatteras fifty two with the extended cockpit, so it's sixty with the swim deck. So it's uh, you know fifty eight feet. It's fifty two feet of interior space. Um, and but the thing is is that it's multi-level and it's you can use the whole space all the way throughout because there's not rigging in the way there's not a mast and all that so it's just a lot more space for the boat um you know I, I, the, the systems are generally a little more complex because there's more of them um and you know especially uh you know because it's back in the night this is 97 it would have been a pretty expensive boat back then and um you know so it just has, has a lot of high-end systems and stuff like that but a lot also on a good side is that a lot of the stuff is household like 
the refrigerator and the convection oven and the uh, cooktop are all like household variety stuff. So you don't, you know, if you want to replace a refrigerator, I paid $900 for this new refrigerator, whereas like a new refrigerator on a sailboat, just the compressor, like just the bare bones compressor and condensation plate are 900 bucks and then if you want to get you know it's just it's crazy boat stuff is definitely a markup so um i gotta go back and forth on the boats just to see how i like it here you know i don't i haven't had enough experience on the motor yacht yet to say one way or because i've only been on the boat for a month and most of the time's been in a marina working on it i've done a uh, we did five days of sailing on it so and i don't know what do you guys think leave me a comment down below uh i still call it sailing uh, or motoring i don't know uh, i don't know it's gonna be like i'm gonna go sail to the bbi or whatever so i don't know if that's uh i don't know what the technical what's the technical term with on a motor yacht so um so david asked uh how much did the new boat cost and what other fees were involved thanks and loving the dark side i'm not gonna say how much it cost uh i mean i got it well below list price but the other fees you gotta you gotta consider is uh uh, the survey, the survey was about I think it was eight hundred dollars, and that's cheap down here in Puerto Rico. You want to get your boat worked on down here? I mean, it's super cheap down here. Um, then you got to pay for the haul out, the haul out because the guy was a member of the yacht club. It was like fifty bucks. I mean, so whereas normally, like you go on the East Coast or somewhere like that, you're gonna pay seven hundred bucks, eight hundred, a thousand bucks to haul out a boat this size. Um, and so down here it was a lot cheaper. Um, and then. You know, you got to get insurance, right? So insurance on this boat was about $4,200. I changed insurance companies. I'm pretty happy with these guys so far. Um, and uh, they're real, real nice. They said, hey, if you ever, you know, because I have my area of coverage and they say, if you're leaving, just let us know, you know. Um, so hopefully that'll work. So and then, of course, you know, there's all the it always costs more than you think to get a boat ready to go. Um, you know, all the maintenance stuff or the upgrades you want to make cost more than you think. But I did a lot of upgrades on it. So um, replace some of the electronics and, you know, replace all the TVs because all the TVs were from 1997, right? The square tube, like CRT tubes. And then I updated the stereo, a lot of the lighting and replacing all the lights with uh, led lights because and i'm also adding solar panels maybe as early as this week uh i think the guy's gonna give me a quote this week so hopefully do that so there's a lot of stuff to do there um so how were you able to do this finance the finances and uh oh sorry bill asks um and it seems like it all happened in a few days um well it wasn't in a few days it was over a, a three or four weeks but you know i just i kind of you know i mean it's just I, I had had things, you know, I was talking to people in the background. We hadn't, like, gotten anything in stone yet. So, but then by the time I got it, I did have something in stone. It was pretty quick. Uh, how did the purchase of the and upgrades did Patreon income deal with? Um, is vlogging really all that lucrative? Inquiring minds want to know. Um, it really depends on your channel. Um, it, um, like... You guys are awesome. The patrons couldn't do it without you for sure. Um, uh, and, and I mean, it really depends on your channel, how many daily views you're getting and stuff like that. I mean, you know, there's millionaire um, um, vloggers, right? Um, so especially the guys that have been doing it a long time. Um, I'd love to see some of their bank statements. But uh, so, I mean, yeah, it was probably a, a good amount came from uh, it was more for from the uh, uh, the uh, pay-per-view video. Um, so I, th that's, that was really kind of, cause I, I had, I had had enough maybe to, I was, so when I offered a really low uh, price on this one in the beginning, um, uh, it, it, 
it's just what I can afford. And then uh, I got, well, I was given the idea by Jeff and a few other people um, uh, to do the um, the, um, yeah, the, the pay-per-view video, and it did really well. Um, and so I'm really happy, and thank you guys for being supportive and making that happen. Uh, Paul asks, Shelby Church has some very detailed info on how much a YouTuber earns. She earns, um, she, she has 1.64 million subscribers and a lot of good information. Yeah, I've seen some of those out there. Um, I'd say it's hard for those to be real accurate because they don't know, um, they don't know your demographics and they don't know how you're monetizing it and stuff like that. Um, because I mean, they they don't know they don't have all the information. They basically all those things. It, it depends on your demographic, you know. Um, because uh, you know the, the the viewers of sailing channels, like seventy five percent of the viewers for sailing doodles are seventy five and uh, forty five and older. So that's different than YouTube in general. Like the the primary age group of people watching YouTube are like fifteen to thirty or thirty five or something like that. So it is pretty unique that. The sailing channels have a much older audience. So I'm not familiar with her, but I can check her out and do it. Heather asks, have you had your new motor yacht, the dark side and the open seas? How does it feel? Any seasickness or does it feel much different than your naughty dog sailboat? Yeah, have it. Well, like open seas, no, but like four or five miles offshore. Yes. Um, I'd say um, it's definitely more stable than a sailboat. Um I was worried about that because, you know, you don't have a mast and all that to, you know, you're not heeled over into the wind, you know, that's keeping you straight up. Um, but no, this boat has stabilizers, which I'm assuming help really well because um, we've been in some pretty, we've been five, six foot seas so far and um, no problem at all. Um, it's a, a lot of spray when you're going into the waves and I probably need to adjust the autopilot a little, but um it, when in a following sea, it tends to not really want to hold a heading very well. Um, so, uh, but like side on, it does. So, and into the waves, I don't know. But I mean, most boats have a problem. Um, most sail, most autopilots have a problem holding a uh, heading in a following sea. It's just you go down the wave and you're surfing and it gets squirrely and all that. I have not had any seasickness. Amanda has uh, twice. Uh, I when I mean it was pretty rough out i mean it was anywhere from three to seven foot seas depending on where we were for the day and there was a couple really big ones bigger than that when we were coming getting close to the channel so i, I just don't get seasick um i've never been seasick uh i mean i don't know some people are just more prone to it than others but yeah um so it does feel a lot different than naughty dog so far um i guess it's just the stability of kind of having two motors and just powering through the waves you just don't heal over as much and you don't rock and roll and what you do have to find is like so the other day you know like i said i like to cruise this boat um at 10 knots because that's the most fuel economical setting um but the other day it really depends on the waves and what you're in so the other day when i was motoring at 10 knots, I mean, we'd be going up a wave and then crash back down and then an up a wave and crash back down. And it just, it didn't, that speed did not sync up well with the waves. So what I did is I increased it to 12 knots. And so we're going through a wave and just as we're about to start going down, we kind of get the other wave. And so there's less, we weren't like going up and down and bang and all that. Yeah, we burned more fuel, but it was much more comfortable ride. So that's just something you got to adjust for, you know? So anyway. 
All right, so on to the next question. Uh, John, how do we travel with you, and how much would it cost for four to seven days? Well, I think right now it's just doing the flotillas, um, so uh, when they can happen again. Um, so uh, the flotillas generally are, you know, three to four couples or cabins per boat, right? So you're paying for the cabin, no matter if you're like one or two people. Um, and uh, so far, they've ranged from like 1500 to maybe 2000 per cabin, depending on how nice a boat you're on. Um, and then, of course, you know, you got so it's like, so just call it 2000 for the week for a pretty nice boat. You got three or four couples on the boat um and then you know so you're sharing other expense yeah, i mean you got your own you got your airfare and stuff like that so and then you got your food and drink so really consider it's going to be probably three thousand plus airfare right if you include all your food and all that stuff so that's would be my guess is if you're going to do the flotilla um for a week and that's on a catamaran i mean if you want to go cheaper and you want to do like a monohull and share that with a couple other things and and you know that might only be 1300 per per cabin and then you know maybe another 800 or a thousand per couple for food and drink for the week so you're looking at uh you know 2300 for the week 2000 whatever you want to spend and plus airfare so that's that's what we're doing right now but I mean, COVID, right? So who knows? Um, will your new big, I'm sorry, Nick asked, will your new dinghy be the same as the one that was lost? Uh, same manufacturer. It'll be hopefully here in two to three weeks. I'm uh, going to pick it up in the U.S. Virgin Islands because they are a tax-free place. Uh, so like if I were to bring it to Puerto Rico, I'd have to pay like a 10% import tax or something like that. Um, whereas USVI is a tax-free zone, so uh, for like duty-free, so I'll just get it there, and that you know it's only forty miles away from here, so uh, I'll do that. It is actually a little bit different. So I had the classic last time with a thirty-horse, um, and it did have the um, console, and I had a thirty-horse Tahatsu. Uh, this one is going to be the sport model, um, so a little bit different with the console, and it's going to have a 40-horse Yanmar, so, Yanmar, so I'm really excited about this. I mean, and it's going to have, like, the ski rack and, or the ski pole on it, so you can pull wakeboarders and stuff, so should get some really cool shots doing that. I'm really excited for it to get here, so it'll be nice. Um, uh, so JW asks, what is your upcoming motor cruise itinerary, and there are there any differences from your sailing itineraries? Difference nothing i would probably be doing the same thing well if if i was starting from here on a sailboat um but uh so the usvi uh well sorry here for another 12 13 days um i think taylor will be down here maybe as early as next week and she'll stay with me for maybe two or three weeks um and we'll go to calabra and then culebrita and then the u.s virgin islands st thomas st john um at that point you know, maybe we'll go over to St. Martin if they're open. I doubt the BBI is going to be open. If St. Martin might probably open up, I would think maybe April 1st or something, because um, they only closed down a couple weeks, a couple months ago, and you know, with the vaccines and all that and the protocols. So, um, and then basically anywhere that they'll let us in with COVID. And then I'm not sure when um, Taylor will be going home or where from, but either the USVI or, or St. Martin or something like that. Uh, Amanda will be coming back, and then uh, you may see a couple other returning crew members um, coming in pretty soon too. So, um, you know, uh, well, I, I don't, I don't have other, I don't have certain information on that yet, but I know there is one or two that have contacted me about wanting to come back. So, all right. So titanium ask other than the power and fuel costs, what will be the major differences for your cruising on the dark side versus naughty dogs? Um, I mean, I think it's just going to be the power and, and the, you know, the, 
the fuel cost. Uh, I don't really plan on making any big changes on how I've been cruising. Um, you still got to wait for the right weather window. Um, maybe, maybe um, this boat gives me a little bit more freedom when it comes to the weather windows because, you know, if I, you know, I, you know, motoring straight into 15 or 20 knots of wind and naughty dogs was doable, but it's slow. Um, you know, we're only doing six knots at that point. So normally under normal conditions on that boat, we'd be doing seven, seven and a half knots on the motor, like if it's dead calm. Um, and, but if you're going into the wind, you're looking at, you're going to lose at least a knot, knot and a half, um, just beating into the waves, maybe more. Um, and so, and then you're in it longer. So it sucks. You know, you're, it's just like, uh, if you're going to do a 40 mile run, I mean, it will take you all day. Whereas doing it on this, you know, you're doing it in five hours. Um, and so, uh, you know, you're more likely, okay, I can, I can put up with, you know, four foot seas for, you know, beating into it. You know what I mean? I can put that up, put up with that for four or five hours. No problem. I wouldn't want to put up with it for like eight hours. You know what I mean? So I think it will give me a little bit more, um, flexibility on where and when to go. And, uh, cause you can make better weather windows. You know, if you have a smaller window, you can still get in it cause you're going faster. So Sam and Sydney, how you, how you doing, guys? Uh, what comes after the dark side? Will you go back to a monowell sailboat, catamaran, or stay in the smoke pot world? Um, I honestly don't know. I really don't know. Uh, I think um, for now, I kind of plan on going back and forth between boats. Um, you know, so I'll be on this as much as I want to be. Um, and then I still would. I'm still trying to work with a charter company where we get. Um, um, where I can basically, and I've got a publicist that I hired. She, she did, I mean, I just pay her by the, not like she's not on salary. I just pay her per like, uh, publicity thing she does. And she's only done one so far and it was, it was on another podcast. So she, she got me on a podcast to create unknown podcast. And, um, I mean, it was pretty cool with those guys. They weren't like super popular or something like that, but it really wasn't too expensive to do that. I mean, a couple hundred bucks is what I paid her. So, I mean, but I mean, it, any exposure is you know, good exposure. Um, but I, I'll probably be hopping around a bunch of different charter boats, like sailboats while I'm on this boat. And then honestly, I mean, I have no idea. I mean, I, I can have general plans. I've one thing I've learned so far in both YouTube and cruising is that you may have plans and you can forget those plans because they're not going to happen. Um, you know, you want to sail and do this, the weather changes, you know, a boat has problems. I mean, or it, YouTube changes or whatever. I mean, it, I don't even try. I mean, I have an idea of stuff, but I don't know. So I, I really couldn't tell you. Uh, we'll see what happens. Mickey P asked, many of your past seasons featured your best friends, Maverick and Goose. This is a tough one. Any thoughts of Goose or maybe the pups in future episodes? Um, uh, not currently. Goose, um, I almost had to go home last month because he had pancreatitis. Um but um, basically, we took him into the vet every day for four days, and they put him on an IV and all that stuff, or my parents did. Um, I mean, I paid for it, but uh, and then he got better, and then my mom just called me today and said he's not eating again, so she's going to take him to the vet today, and maybe we'll do a couple more rounds of that, see what's going on. Um, so I may, I mean, if pancreatitis is, yeah, big dogs like that can be... Um, not good uh so you know may have to deal with with uh, goose here pretty soon we'll see um but pups in the future i you know not anytime soon um i i love having the dogs if i if i get them they'll be i'm not getting 100 pound dogs again on a boat that's ridiculous but um you know for right now i don't i like having them on the boat and it's actually i mean that's no problem having them on the boat the problem is is um 
you know, if I'm cruising down here for four or five months and then, cause I'm a bit of a vagabond, right? I mean, so like, and then, uh, what if I need to go, what if I go to Thailand for a month or two or something like that to go do some sailing or whatever? I mean, what do I do with the dogs? I don't want to like pawn them off my parents. Um, so for now, I, I don't know that I can, I, I, it would not be fair to have dogs right now. So I'd love to have them, but not at the moment. So we'll see what happens. Um, Okay, Nick asks, uh, Bobby, first, thanks for the great content. My first question, the America's Cup new boats, what are your thoughts on them? Um, and then second question, as a cruising boat, would you prefer a mono or a cat? Uh, that's a good question, uh, Nick. I, I like I like answering this one. So the, um, the America's Cup boats, the new AC-70s, very cool, but totally impractical. I mean, what do you need a foiling monohull for? I mean, that, I mean, other, it, I mean, they are a technical achievement. They're amazing. I mean, like the technology in them and all that is pretty amazing. I think, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't, it's a nice spectacle to watch. They're very impractical. I mean, I guess all the America's Cups boats have been un, impractical, especially once they, got to foiling and stuff like that but i don't know i don't really like them that much i'd rather i just think they're too you know um i mean i guess it does take a lot of skill but i i think it's they're making it too much about the technology of the boat rather than the prowess of the racers now there is a lot of prowess and need for skill in the racers don't get me wrong because to be able to handle one of those boats and fly it i mean gosh because you're really literally flying it so that's what they're calling flying those boats um takes a tremendous amount of skill but it also takes a tremendous amount of money and technology i'd rather see it more like a stock car type thing where everybody has the same you know uh i mean obviously not there's not all technically the same but they're more more or less more of the same you know i mean they have certain restrictions on on how big your motor can be and they're either using all the same motor or something i don't even know what it is but you know I, i'd like it to see just more like everybody on the same kind of boat maybe maybe they don't even they don't even manufacture their own boat you know they're they they get they you know the the the, the, the america's cup makes the boats and they you know say okay you know if you want to enter you got to buy the boat from us and they're all the same boat and do that that's what i'd like to see something like that um second question as a cruising boat would you prefer a mono or a cat depends on where you're going and what you're doing um if you're going to be in the caribbean uh monohull i mean a catamaran for sure if you're going to be crossing oceans a big monohull you know um although i mean the, the new cats these days are pretty nice especially if you plan your if you plan your um uh with the weather and stuff like that you know don't take any chances be smart with it i mean you're fine uh i mean there's people that have sailed big cats all over the world i mean i if i was just gonna buy one and, and do that i'd probably go with a catamaran something around 45 47 feet um i would definitely so on on my mediterranean videos when i was with steven loretta so they have a sound fountain bajo 47 um that's a great boat um you don't have to have a a, a, a fountain bajo but i would definitely have the upper uh, i don't even know what you call it but uh up, up there by the flybridge they have like a seating area and stuff like that and you really only get that and the 45 and above cats um I don't really like the, I mean, I haven't seen the brand new Lagoon design for that, but the Fountain Bajos, I really like it because they have a nice seating area up there. I really like that. And you use that a lot. Um, and then, um, so I think some of the, the leopards and stuff have it up there too, but you really got to get 45 to 47 feet before you get that option on most uh, cats. So I would do something around a 47 to 50 foot cat if money was not an option, but 
it it kind of is an option because those are really expensive. Um, all right, so Colin Merriman. The new boat seems like it has a lot more systems and complexity. Are you worried of extra work, or are you planning to outsource more? Seems like you're able to figure out most stuff on the boat, um, all but the AC systems, generators, hydraulics, etc., and definitely more work than a sailboat. Yeah, there are definitely more complex systems on here for sure. Uh, and kind of the challenge of um, getting a new boat is learning all the systems. Like, I, I'm still trying to figure out the water system because... I thought I know where the shutoffs are for each tank, but I'm having problem pulling water out of the starboard tank. It's probably just a filter or something. I've got to go f search where it is. You know what I mean? It's in line somewhere or something. Maybe that that filter is clogged up, and I need to change it. I'm sure it is actually because there is no filter by the main pump. It's got to be somewhere down line. So that's I'm sure that's what it is. Um, but it's just learning the systems mostly. As far as yeah, I probably will I'll be outsourcing more of the engine work. Um, but basing in Puerto Rico, that's really cheap. Um, you know, if you're basing it in Florida or something like that, it's going to be very expensive for a boat like this to maintain the engines. Um, but in Puerto Rico, it's a lot more cost effective because it's just the, the, you know, the labor and the, and the stuff like that is it's much less expensive. And I'm planning on basing the boat out of here. I mean, I might take it back to Florida at some point, but, you know, I mean, so like, you know, I'll just keep an eye on the engines and stuff like that. I mean, adding oil when I need to. But like, as far as farming out, like the the big service masons and all that, yeah, I'll be I'll probably be doing that because I'm just not an engine guy. Um, and then like I'm having solar panels installed on this. I mean, I haven't got a quote for yet. If he's stupid crazy, maybe I will do it eventually myself. But then I'll take the boat back to Florida because then I can get all the the gear I need there. But we'll see. Um, we'll see how much he's going to charge. So I'll be doing some of it uh, outsourcing, but um, you know, it's hard to say. Um, Richard asks, Hi, Bobby. Love all the content. Can't wait to see more of the new boat. You always have amazingly beautiful women on your vessel. I'm sure you do not charge them for passage uh, on the boat compared to paying clients. Uh, I mean, no, I, I obviously do not charge them at all. Um, in fact, I pay all of their expenses um, and then uh, and then a little more. Um, and so, I mean, because basically I'm making a profit from the videos. They are part of the crew in the videos. So I do financially... Um, uh, uh, compensate them for that so um, you know it's just uh, I think that's only fair I mean if I'm earning money off of it they should too I mean um, so I do have them sign a release and we kind of have a little contract and stuff like that um, so there is that um, so uh, yeah it all right, uh, Brad. Hi, Bobby. Great content. The ladies are nice to look at, too. I, in 1999, I purchased a 65 1995 Azimut. That's nice. There's one next door that's been sitting there forever. It's a hurricane boat, I believe. The biggest cost, aside from fuel... Hang on. I've been talking a lot. I need the fluids, right? Um, the biggest cost, aside from fuel, was the care and upkeep, although slip fees weren't too cheap. 3000 a month or so. Wow, that's a lot. Um, I was able to do some of the work myself. Uh, much of the mechanical, I had to pay qualified mechanics to do. There are a lot of systems on these vessels. It seems something is always breaking. Yep. I'm curious as what you're budgeting um, for these expenses on a monthly basis. Well, here in Puerto Rico, um, the slips are around 1300 a month. Um, and that's, you know, but, I mean, I'm not planning. And actually, there's ones that are cheaper than that you get on to ponce you got to join the yacht club which is a couple thousand bucks but um once you join the yacht club it's like four hundred dollars a month to keep your boat there so it's definitely worth it um so that's what i mean it, like keeping your boat in puerto rico is way less expensive than anywhere on the mainland of the u.s and uh also it's here in the caribbean i mean you don't have to beat to windward 
all the, to get down here all the way. You're already here. You can go cruise around the Caribbean. Um, so kind of my general plan for the moment would be uh, maybe haul out uh, around August 1st and um, keep it here on the on the hard and, and Puerto de Rey and then put it back in the water November 1st. So it's only in the water for what? August, September, October. So three months. Um, if a hurricane comes outside of those times, I'll just run from it. Um, but so I plan to go down to the Caribbean and then probably come back to Puerto Rico around the, uh, July 1st or maybe the U.S. Virgin Islands around J- July 1st, be back here in Puerto del Rey by August 1st, which is really when the hurricane season, I mean, hurricane season technically starts depending on who you talk to, either June 1st or July 1st. But, um, you know, August 1st is when you start getting a lot more higher risk of it. So by August 1st, I'll be hauled out and, you know, for three months and then I can put it back in the water November 1st and I'm good to go to the Caribbean wherever I want to go. So that's kind of the plan for that. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I mean, so I'll do as much of the maintenance as I can. But again, like I said, the, the maintenance down here in Puerto Rico is a lot less expensive. Um, so um, it is nice. You can have somebody take care of your boat for, I don't know, I don't know what, I mean, like, I, I really don't know what they charge. But, I mean, there's, like, guys that will manage four or five boats. And I don't know what they're charging. Maybe, I don't know. I really don't know. I'm just making this number up. Maybe it's 500 or or $1,000 a month, and so they manage those other boats. They wash them once a month or whatever, you know, so I don't know. I don't have anybody doing that. I wash my own boat. I've already washed this boat like four times, so um, every time we, because um, there is so much spray when you're going, every time we get somewhere, I just start hosing it down and wipe it down, so... I'm interested in what you think of your stabilizer. So Mark asked, sorry. Um, I'm interested in uh, what you think of your stabilizer system on your boat and contrast to the gyro system like a sea keeper. Well, I, I'm familiar with... Okay, so the stabilizer system on my boat has two fins that are below the waterline, obviously. Hang on one second. And um, so the system, you know, it, it, it's hydro, they're hydraulically actuated. And so if you start, you know healing to starboard the starboard fin will tilt up so it catches the water which will push the boat back up whereas the port um, fin goes down which pulls the other port side down and it basically uses you know it's kind of like a wing in the water that pushes either side of the boat up um, whereas the sea keepers basically which are i've heard they're amazing by the way i've heard the sea keepers are amazing i've never experienced one so i couldn't tell you but the sea keepers have these giant um uh, spinning gyros, right? And, you know, a, 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 so it's huge, 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 spinning very fast and very heavy. So, you know, like if you hold, if you ever held a bicycle tire that's separate from itself and you spin it, it resists turning. Like if you try to tilt it one way, it'll resist you doing that. And you can actually feel the force back on the other way. So like a, a gyro tends to want to stay in the position it is. So like if you're, you know, the, and then you hook that up to the boat, it makes the boat want to do that. Um, I heard those are amazing, but I heard they're also extremely expensive. Um, I don't know how much like the stabilizers I have cost because it came with the boat. But I've also heard that those systems are really big too, and it's like you can't like retrofit a boat and put um, like a sea. I mean, I'm sure you can retrofit a boat and put a sea keeper in it, but it would be extremely expensive. So I mean, most of the new boats though have them like built in especially i mean almost all of them do i mean anything over like i think they're even putting them in the center consoles now like the 25 and 30 footers i'm not sure i'm not too knowledgeable on that but uh so i couldn't really say yes or no on that but all right clay asked uh flying doodles island style in the future i would love to do some um flying doodles i just don't have time um uh i would on- honestly like to maybe farm that out to somebody but somebody's got to have both the youtube skills and the pilot 
experience to do all that. So I, I mean, if I could find somebody that could do both of those, and basically I still own the channel, they get a percentage for make creating the content because it's already got seventy five thousand subscribers. So I mean, it's already started up. I just don't have time to film it, and it, it's a lot of work for. It's a lot of work to film one of those and to edit one of those. And that's the thing, too, is that like, you can't really hire an editor to edit that because he doesn't know what's important about Because when I'm filming a Flying Doodles episode, so if you haven't checked out Flying Doodles on YouTube, go ahead. Flying Doodles is, yeah, same. You, you'll find it. We've got like 80 or 100 videos up or something like that. But so there's the interview portion, which the interview lasts 15 minutes. I cut it down to about eight minutes and then I got two cameras going. So they're cutting back and forth. Well, an editor wouldn't know what's important in that 15 minutes, right? Because he's not a pilot and he doesn't really know what to cut in and cut out. And then the flying portion takes anywhere from 30 minutes to an hour. And I've got six cameras going on that plus an audio recorder. And so editing all that is a lot of work and you know you can't really farm that out to an editor because again he doesn't know what's important and what's not important so it's very uh time consuming um endeavor and i just don't have time for it right now i mean sailing doodles is my primary work and i i really enjoy doing the podcast because these are easy like i've got my little system set up here where see i've got this little control panel right here so i hit a button oh sorry that button i change you know screen like that i can go to the other one and then i've got the record and stop so like and then i've got everything hooked up so like i don't edit this video when we're done i do add like a couple graphics but like after this is done it takes me 15 minutes of editing and then i'm done i upload it and boom we're, we're good to go so i really like how easy this is um but you know we'll see how what happens in the future all right so hang on let me finish this beer i think it's almost done see you can pull the beer right out of your see these are it's like it's not a yeti it's one of those uh, ozark trail from walmart but it's like a you know you, these are like six bucks whereas the yetis are like 25 or 30 but it, it really doesn't do much because it's a 10 ounce beer i don't know all right so there we go let's get put that one away and we'll crack another beer oops sorry is that a little loud in the microphone all right Richard asks, who will be your next partner? Um, so Amanda is coming back. Uh, so is T Taylor's going to come back for two or three weeks. Really excited to have her back. Uh, oh, sorry. Um, who's calling me? Brett, stop. Oh, my gosh. Why are you on? Thank you. Um, anyway, uh, sorry about that, Brett. You were your patron fellow patron Brett was in a, I think he's out to he's out to lunch with my parents right now back in Dallas. So. Or maybe he's done with that. So next partner. Um, and then uh, I've been talking to, she wants to come back. Um, gone, Sydney wants to come back. Uh, she helped me do the delivery um, uh, a while ago. And uh, so far, that's, you know, who I'm talking to. So we'll see. Um, all right. Another, oh, same, same Richard asks, I remember how do I watch the new episodes on your TV? Well, it's not really a podcast question uh but you can on the youtube app if you're watching it as long as you're on the same um network as your smart tv there's like a little button that's kind of like a cast button it looks like a tv with a wi-fi in it and you click that and you can send it to your tv if it has a youtube app so there you go uh sean murray you said you had the most economical or efficient speed at 10 knots and the engines would consume 14 gallons an hour at that speed so 10 knots 10 nautical miles at 14 gallons is a point uh 0.714 nautical miles per gallon am i calculating that right uh i have no idea if you're calculating that right um I 
I'm not going to pull up my calculator right now, but sounds reasonable. Um, you let me know in the comments, guys. Um, and if you didn't have the money to fix Naughty Dogs, how did you afford the dark side and the fuel and the boat is bigger than your first apartment? Yeah. Uh, well, it's like I said, it was the... Um, uh, uh, the the pay per view video that did it. I so I I, I had enough from selling Naughty Dogs, uh, th that helped obviously a lot, and then savings and stuff. So uh, and then uh, and then uh, the um, uh, the pay per view. So uh, yeah, uh, and then uh, okay, spammers. Sorry, my my phone way over there. Um, okay, I, I get do you guys. I get so many spam calls. This is it's ridiculous, and I'm getting spam texts now too. Like I'll get a text. There'll be like 20 other people in the text, and it'll be just gibberish in the text. I know they. I know what they want you to do. They want you to text back like stop or something like that. Then they know it's a real number. So if you get like a group text from like 20 people and they're all phone numbers you don't know, especially if they're all like the same area code, the same zip code and prefix and all that, just delete it. If you try to, if you if you respond, you're on their list, and it's even worse because you know replying no or stop. I mean they're doing it illegal anyway, so they're not going to care. Um, Adrian asks, uh, do you get bored at night, especially when traveling on your own? There's a limit to how many films and TV programs you can watch. Sometimes, um, you know, it's not too bad. Uh, honestly, I mean, especially if I've got the crew with me and stuff like that. I mean, okay, in a marina, yeah, I get a little bored because, like, you know, there's, you know... It, we're not going out and adventuring all day, right? If we're on the hook somewhere, we're going to go scuba diving. We're going to go snorkeling. We're going to go take the dinghy out. We're going to go some wakeboarding. And I, I got some new kiteboarding type stuff I'm looking forward to doing. Um, so you stay busy with that all day. And then by the time you get back to the boat and you do some happy hour and dinner and all that, it's like 8 o'clock at night. And 9 o'clock is cruiser's midnight. You know, you generally go to bed pretty early on a boat. And so it's not too bad. In a marina, yeah, it can get pretty boring. But, I mean, this is a really comfortable boat. It's got a really comfortable couch and, uh, you know, TV. And then, of course, I got the outside salon. I mean, I, that's one of my favorite things to do is I'll turn on the TV out there or, or just watch the sunset out there, smoke a cigar, have a cocktail or something. It's a lot. It's, I really enjoy that. I, you can occasionally get bored, but there's always something to do on the boat and work on the boat. So, like, uh, I was pretty lazy yesterday. didn't do much, but... Like today, I've been working on the boat all day, and then when I finished working on the boat, which I'm not actually finished, I couldn't. So I'm replacing the anchor with the new Mantis anchor, and I could not get the shackle off of the old one because it's so rusted. So, you know, I just kind of gave up on that. I'll, I got to go get like maybe a torch tomorrow and a breaker bar to get that off. We'll see. Hopefully, I don't have to like try to cut it off, but we'll see. Um, and then I, you know, and then I had to go to work doing, well, I mean, I love doing this, but then I said, okay, it's time to record the podcast. So, and then I had a little bit of editing to do on another podcast that just put out, you know, not too long ago. So there's always some work to do on either the boat or on the channel or go have fun and explore, you know? So, um, uh, let's see here that, uh, Gary asked the sailing noodles. Navy wants a password, uh, to provide in the patron email. Um, yeah, uh, I need to make up another post on that, and I will do it. So um, we do have a private Facebook group um, for patrons, um, and there's a password for it, and I will post that on to our patrons. Um, all right, Jeff asks, Jeffrey asks, Bobby, I have a few questions about the damage caused to all your previous boats. Since you have been a viewer the last two-plus years of lock, um, because of the lockdown last year, I gorged on sailing doodles. Um on the rough seas, how extensive was the damage and um, the storm w insurance wouldn't cover it? And what happened to the boat in the end? Um, well, I didn't have insurance on that boat. I paid $24,000 for it. And um, it uh, it had about $20,000 in damage. 
probably. Um, and I just didn't have time to, to, I mean, to work on it. And I ended up, um, basically giving it away to a guy down here who, who did the repairs. Um, and, um, so it's still down in Puerto Rico and the guys, um, repaired the, uh, fiberglass damage. And I think he's working on the rigging now and he should be good to go. Um, on Naughty Dogs, what was the damage and how extensive was it? And you said it was a hundred thousand in damages, but, uh, I, but what was the damage specifically and why would it, how much would it cost to repair? I know you said the gearbox engine was trash, etc. Well, it's all in the video, the pay-per-view, but, um, if you want to watch it, but, um, uh, basically, uh, it was mostly the fire damage from the transmission overheating. Yeah. I mean, if it's just replacing the transmission, that would have been not expensive, but the, in, the transmission got so hot that it burned up all the electrical and the wiring and the water lines. And, uh, then it also torqued the shaft, which let in a lot of water into the, um, engine compartment, which then submerged the batteries, submerged the generator, submerged the inverter charger, submerged the engine, you know, I mean, so all that stuff needs to be pulled out, cleaned up, replaced. And so you start adding all that up. I and mean, it was, it was 60% of that estimate I got was, was, um, uh, labor. Um, and yeah, I know you can do it yourself, but I mean, I, I had no desire to do it. I really didn't. So there you go. Uh, let me have another step here. All right. Uh, Bill, Bill asks, yeah, I have a substantial amount, um, toward the re rebuild of Naughty Dog it was initially his pay, pay, what is that? Uh, I continue support. Okay. Well, sorry. Uh, okay. Jeff asks, same as above on the Naughty Dogs. Why on earth would the insurance, uh, that I assume you paid, uh, over the odds in the first place, not want to pay off of the damages because they don't want to pay. Um, I mean, you know, it, it's, um, uh, I was talking to somebody the other day and, uh, and, uh, basically, uh, they said that they were talking to someone who, uh, was, they had a claim on their boat and I forget what their cruising area was but they tracked them on ais and so where their incident happened they were inside their territorial waters but they tracked them on ais and um, they had previously gone to cuba like within that policy year and um so they on ais you can see that they went there and um so they denied the claim saying you violated the terms of your conditions um on the policy because you left your cruising waters and the people were like yeah we knew we were going outside the cruising waters but we knew we wouldn't be covered there but whatever you know we're covered we're in the water anyway so they denied their claim it's insurance i mean it's dumb they'll, they'll try to if i mean you know the insurance companies have been killed lately with with, with the hurricanes and all that and so they're being really stingy on paying out i mean because they've had a their bottom line has sucked for a long time so i don't know I'm, i don't like talking about it it's a pain in the ass but um jeff again man he's got a lot of questions here um uh on the new boat very interested how long you can afford to put diesel in it and your tanks I was going to ask what the cost but you said the 600 odd gallons was 1543 uh you were not gonna be able to afford this boat uh for long and i assume that wasn't the fuel tanks filled up as well must be bloody expensive diesel i was pretty cheap down here it was actually 250 a gallon um and i guess that was the next question what was the cost of gallons of diesel 250 a gallon um but yeah okay it was 16 1500 bucks to fill up but i'm hope i don't i shouldn't I mean, like, I won't put, I mean, I'll fill up in, in uh, Puerto Rico again before I leave, but I'll put it, I'll put less than half of that into it just because it's cheaper here than in the islands. I want to make sure I'm fully topped off before I leave Puerto Rico. But I mean, like, I'll only have to put gas in this thing or diesel in this thing every two to three months, you know? Because um, you think about it, like, 
I'm going I'm going to Calabria. That's 25 miles. That'll 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 be you know 30 started 30 something gallons of fuel right and you know i'll be there for five or six days then i'll go to uh you know the uh, virgin islands which is like 10 miles away and then i'll be there for a couple weeks and you know i mean some I'm, i'll be i'll have used in a month like maybe 200 gallons maybe you know what i mean and so and then i'll move to saint martin or the bbi or whatever's open and so like all they're all short hops i mean yeah if i was going from Puerto Rico to the Bahamas, okay, it's going to be a lot of money because it's a long way. But your average hop when you're down here in the Bahamas is, or not the Bahamas, but the Caribbean's like 20 to, I mean, a long one would be 70 miles, right? So, I mean, it, it's, it, you don't use as much as you think. Sure, if you're going to do a long haul passage, that is very expensive. But, um, you know, it's not as bad as you think. I'm, I mean, like, I should only have to put fuel in this thing every two to three months. So, $1,500 every two to three months is not that bad, really. I mean, it's really not. So, I mean, it, it depends on how much you want to spend, you know. All right, man, he's got a lot of questions here. Uh, back to the damage of Naughty Dogs, given what was said about over 100,000. Um, interested in knowing, have uh, you previously thought about your patrons and fundraising uh, and doing a Kickstarter to raise funds for Naughty Dogs? I raised this because a fellow s- channel, Sailing Project Atticus, had terminal termite damage to their main bulk, bulk wart, bulwark, uh, which holds their mass up, and they couldn't afford their repairs and their boat um so they did a kickstarter and asked their patrons uh, uh but were able to r- raise um like ninety two thousand with 810 backers just wondering uh why did you go down this route i didn't want to do like a kickstarter or a gofundme like i didn't want to be like hey we pay for my stuff you know i just didn't want to do that i that's why i did the pay-per-view and left it open to however much you wanted to do. I mean, because if you thought it was worth it to watch the video, great, awesome. Thank you so much for watching. I appreciate it. Could not be doing this without you. But I didn't want, I mean, you know, you, at least you're getting something for your value. And I didn't want to do a GoFundMe type thing. I just, I, I felt it would have been, I don't know. I, I mean, it's fine for them. I That's totally great for them. I'm happy they're doing it. And I, 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 I'm not saying, I'm negative towards that. I'm not. I mean, I think... Um, you know, I, I, creating a YouTube channel and creating content like this, I don't, I don't, I, a lot of the naysayers and they're like, they call, they, they call the, the sailing channel people like e-beggars and stuff like that. They don't realize that I've got these cameras right here. I've got $7,000 in these cameras. I've got this microphone. I've got the computer. I've got all these other stuff here. I've got drones. I've got all these GoPros. I've got 20 something thousand dollars in camera gear on this boat. Maybe more. And then, you know, I'm spending, you know, this is my full time job doing YouTube. I mean, I, I, you know, it can be easily be a 30, 40 hour or, or, or more a week job. So it is a job. And so, like, you know, for the people that really enjoy, okay, I'm creating. On average, I try to do a video every five days. So I'm doing, uh, you know, each video is about 12, 15 minutes. Just call it 15s for math's sake. So I'm doing six videos. So we're doing like, uh, you know, 90 minutes of content. So it's a a movie every month um, uh, that I'm putting out, basically. And, you know, how much do you pay for a movie? I mean, 12, 15 bucks plus popcorn. You're at 20 bucks for a movie. I mean, you know, is that worth 
entertainment to you okay great if but if but it's still free if you don't want to do that so i mean like this is a full-time job and the people that do this are not they're not freeloading i mean they are actually working quite hard to make the best content they can to get as popular as they can because it is a really cool job this is a job but it is a really cool job and it has given me so much opportunity and you patrons and everything for 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 watch for watching and helping and and i mean i couldn't do without you you guys are awesome and i hope i hope it's inspiring to some people i hope you guys watch this and you're dreaming about doing it one day and you actually will go out and do this on your own so i mean that's kind of i mean whenever somebody sends me an email or something that says hey you know i've been watching your stuff you really inspired us we just bought our boat and we're leaving in two months i'm like awesome i mean that feels really good to do that people are actually doing that so there you go guys all right uh, d uh william hang on a second more beer one second william asks how do operating costs on the dark side compare to operating costs on the naughty dogs? Um, so far, uh, I I mean, yeah, it's more in fuel. Um, but I mean, I've only had the I only owned the boat for a month, so I've done a lot of upgrades on it. But I did a lot of upgrades on on naughty dogs too that were probably easily as, as costly. Um, so I don't know really. Honestly, talk to me in about six months. Uh, we'll see how much stuff's broken and how how much expensive it's gotten. So far. I mean, it's just the extra fuel cost, but honestly, uh, like, like, so I bought the boat in Ponce and then we did, um, um, Isla Mujeres, no, Isla, Isla Mujeres, uh, Isla Caja de, Mu de Muertos and then Salinas and all that, whatever there was because we're going into the trade winds and it's a really windy time of year. There was no time I was going to be able to sail getting here to Fajardo. Like there was no sailing weather unless you wanted to like tack and beat into it which would have been miserable and all that so i would have motored all the way from ponce to here granted at two gallons an hour versus 14 or 15 um so uh yeah i mean it's it's obviously more expensive in fuel on there but it's, it's hard to say i mean maintenance wise and all that um it really depends on how much crap breaks you know what i mean so too early to say on that one but i mean i'm hope i'm gonna keep you guys informed um uh, as i'm going along so all right, WVU, West Virginia University, soldier maybe? WVU, I don't know. Are you dating Amanda? No, I am not dating Amanda. So uh, what are your crew plans after Amanda goes back? Oh, so that's Alfred, sorry. Uh, what are your crew plans after Amanda goes back to New York? Um, uh, well, uh, Taylor's coming back, I hope, next week. Uh, she's got to take care of her own boat stuff a little bit this week, and hopefully she gets that all taken care of, and she might come as early as next weekend. And then what today is the first, so... Um, I'm planning to leave here on the 12th to go to Calabria if all goes well. So there's that. And I kind of talked about it earlier. Uh, so Amanda will be coming back um, at some point this month. Uh, she had to go work on her business. And then um, and then uh, maybe Sydney will be coming back. And then after that, I don't really know. So we'll see. But, okay, that is all the questions from the patrons. That was a lot of them. It was like 36 questions. Hopefully uh, answered them to, to the best of my ability there for you guys and you enjoyed it. Uh, please uh, subscribe to the channel. Check out the Doodles podcast, Sailing Doodles. If you're listening, uh, check out the videos on YouTube. If you're watching on YouTube, there's the audio version. So if you don't want to have to sit there and watch this thing, listen to your car, it's on Spotify, it's on Our Hat Radio, it's on iTunes, whatever you want to do. And it's, again, our patrons that make this channel possible. Thank you so much. Patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Sailing Doodles. And uh, you can ask questions. So I'm going to be doing one of these a month. Uh, you know, so uh, probably towards the end of March, I will make another post asking for patron questions. And uh, I just reply to that 
post with your comments and uh there you go i will answer them like i answered every single one of them there i hope uh everybody got the information they wanted so uh man this was an hour um i I hope you guys are liking these long form podcasts too um i'm trying to do them just a little more conversationally than like topically like instead of the first one so i hope you're enjoying it but again thank you guys for watching and uh i will use my little pad right here to turn off